take a moment and pray. Lord, it's so good to be in your presence. And Lord, we know you're present, but our prayer is to help us be more present. Father, would you um, open our hearts, open our, our eyes, our ears to receive, uh, Lord, the very words you want to speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you work in our life in a new way today? Today's a new day, Lord. And in this new day, we ask that you would just begin to work in us to change us so that we could leave here different from the way we came in as a result of meeting with you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a third week of a five-week series of the five works of the Holy Spirit, and it began at Pentecost. And really, the, the theme from Pentecost was that we're coming from this moment where, where everything is going to be different from that day forward, as the Lord promised about pouring out his Holy Spirit. And what are these five works of the Spirit that are supposed to be activated in our life, that we understand that? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. That's what he tells his disciples before he ascends to the Father. And he says, not only if you believe you'll do the works I've done, then he says, you will do greater works. Now, I don't know if you've read the Bible, you've heard the stories. Jesus did pretty cool stuff. And he says, you're going to do the cool stuff I did. Then he's like, listen, you're going to do even cooler stuff. That, that, that I'm going to send the one who's going to come, the advocates can be poured out into your life to empower you to be the church on earth, to make that visible to the world. And that we are part of that plan right now. I don't know if you know that or not, but you're actually part of that continuation from that moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit until he comes again. And he's had a plan since before the beginning of time, and he'll see that plan through. But we're called to participate in that plan, and you can't participate in that plan with the absence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to have the Holy Spirit in your life. And we have to recognize those greater works that he has planned for us, and we need to begin to understand those. So how do we continue to grow in a relationship with Christ? It's if we understand the Spirit of God is being made alive in us. That's how we begin those greater works. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is working in your life. God is being made alive. His Spirit is being made alive in us. And having the Spirit of God being made alive in us means that we admit that in my power, I can't do it. It's a surrendering of what I try to do in, in, in my will, my way. Me, myself, and I, you know those three characters? We get in trouble. And, and, and that's us trying to work together as a team like the Trinity, and it generally doesn't work out real good. So what I say is, no, I'm admitting that I'm emptying myself, my power, my strength, and now I'm allowing his power so that I can walk and be more powerful in the very greater works he's called me to do on this earth. And that power becomes alive in us. It's made alive in us. And there's five works of the Holy Spirit that take place in every believer's life. And we began the first week, a couple of weeks ago, in regeneration. Regeneration is when God brings man to a new life in Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit, he, he brings this new life. The, the miraculous thing that takes place in your life in that regeneration moment is that you become this new creation in Christ 
When you begin to surrender that powerlessness of that sin, that, that whatever area it was in your life, that you surrendered that and said, I'm going to now follow after Christ. This miracle takes place. Scripture says that it's a new birth. Uh, that, that we are born again, that we're changed and transformed. I'm still me, but I'm different now. Something's happened. And we're this new creation, so much so that Scripture tells us that you are a child of God, that you're given a new identity, that this new identity takes place in that moment of regeneration. And everything begins in that first place, that first step of regeneration, that by grace through faith that we come to the saving knowledge of who Christ is, what he's done for us, that I surrender, I turn, I repent from my way of life, I begin to walk in this new life of who he is. And this miracle takes place. And that's that first moment where the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. Second is transformation. Transformation is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, conforming us, changing us, transforming us to be like Christ. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, do you know you're like Christ? Don't do it. (laughs) But that's the idea. That transformations, that we're being changed and conformed. We, this regeneration moment, now we're being transformed. That I'm going to be less like my, 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 what I was, and I'm going to become more like him. And that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives, transforming us. And transformation is the process of salvation that begins or being conformed into that life, into that character of Christ. That, that's part of this Work. The first work, regeneration. Second work is transformation of him being made alive in us and making us like him, letting the spirit work in our life. The third is clarification. Clarification is the Holy Spirit of truth guides us in all truth. That's the clarifica- clarification. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth. Come on, church, you need to know that one. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Listen, you need another cup of coffee. You can head down to the parish hall. Go ahead, help yourself, and we'll get started again in a few minutes. The truth shall set us free. I think we've heard that statement, know that statement, but maybe we really don't believe that statement or what is that truth. And the truth is holding to who Jesus said he is and the teaching of his kingdom. That's the truth of who he said he is and the teaching of the kingdom of God that he brought. And the opposite of a truth is what, church? It's a lie. A lie is an untruth. It's not true. It's an untruth. And the untruth is in the, with the intent to deceive. And Jesus came to speak that truth to untruth. He began to speak that truth. We're also reminded in 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we what? We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're deceived. It's a lie. There's deception. The enemy has has, has come and deceived us in our life in such a way that it's distanced us from a relationship with a God who loves us, and that we're deceived, and that deception keeps us from God. Here's one of those deceptions that you believe God can never forgive you. That's a lie. You say, You know, but Father Brett, you don't know the things I've done. It's a lie. He didn't go to the cross for some sins. He went to the cross for the sins of the world. And that we believe we're deceived because the truth is not in us. And anything that's contrary to the testimony of Jesus Christ and his word, this word is a lie. 
That's untruth with the intent, uh, intent to deceive. And it's a very confusing thing if we're just believing what we hear and what we read. Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am this truth that's being made realized to us. And we can't identify a lie if we don't know the truth. And Jesus promised he would send a spirit of truth. Why is that? So we would know the difference between a lie and what's true. That we would understand fully who he is. So why do we lie? I know you I don't lie, Father. I never lie. He just lied. Everyone gets stuck in those moments of lying, which is deception. We're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving others. And, and, and we're afraid of the truth in many ways. Here's some of the reasons we lie. We lie to avoid a punishment. We'll lie to, to, to not deal with something that we very well deserve, but we'll lie to avoid a punishment. We'll lie to gain a reward for ourselves. Sometimes we'll lie to protect what we believe ourselves or protecting someone else. Here's a popular one. We lie to avoid embarrassment. Or we lie to exercise a power or an authority over others. Studies show on the average, on the average, just about, we are lied to up to 200 times a day. Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? Now, you things you read and, and things you Google and things you watch on television. I know you believe it's all real and true, but, but we're continually being lied to. And then we're believing those lies, but the lies are deceiving us because the truth is not in us. And there are common lies that we fall into. There's common lies that just kind of happen. And it's part of that 200 or so that happens. One of the lies that we do, and we don't realize we do it, Someone says, hey, how are you doing? You go, I'm fine. You're not fine. We say we're fine. What we should do is say, do you really want to know? Do you have an hour? I'll really tell you how I'm doing. Let me tell you. Let's sit down. Let me really unfold some things for you. But no, we go, oh, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. But we, we respond that way. It's not true. Although in New York, it is kind of a greeting. We say, how are you doing? And we go, I'm fine, and we move on. That's, that's how we greet one another. But really, we, we respond that way. Or we're running late to something, and we use one of these. Oh, I, I was stuck in traffic. I was stuck in traffic. Oh, you are, are you? Send me a picture of the traffic you're in. Let me see. <laughs> Although in New York, we do have a lot of traffic, so that's a good one. You can get away with that one. Here's a dangerous one that we've got to be careful with. You look great in that. Now, ladies, I'm just going to share something. Men, I'm going to give you advice, okay? Here it goes. When you're asked, how do I, when they ask you, how do I look in this, here's what you do. Run as fast as you can out of the house. That's not a lie, and you just avoided it. That's all, and you stay out of trouble. No, there's a, you've said it. Someone said it to someone else. You look great in that. And you're like, oh. One of the lies, I only had one drink. It was a lie. You have trouble counting, you know? We tell people my phone died or I never got your message. Here's another real popular lie that just kind of slides out. Oh, it was on sale. That's a lie. Everything wasn't on sale. It can't be on sale every single time, can it? It's on sale. And here's what I discovered in life, in, in, in my years of being in ministry and dealing with humans. 
When someone comes and gives you more than one excuse for something, guess what that is? It's a lie. My car broke down, my kitchen went on fire, I'm not feeling well, it's like, hold on a minute, that's a lot. What are you, Job? You know, what's going on in your life? <laughs> well, generally, there's just too many excuses there, and it turns out to be a lie. Abraham Lincoln said this, you can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. No, Bob Marley did not come up with that. Abraham Lincoln did. But Bob Marley used that in his song. It's a good line, good quote. And in John 16, 12 through 13, Jesus says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all, come on church, truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come that Jesus promised. He promised. He made a promise. I will send you a spirit of truth so that you will not be deceived in your life, that you'll know this truth. And the promise of that truth would come. And he sent his spirit. And that promise means that the Holy Spirit is trustworthy and the Holy Spirit is true. And the Holy Spirit is in your life if you've had that moment of regeneration and change, we've got to begin to develop that relationship with who he is, that truth to be made known. In other words, you don't need to worry about anything. The Holy Spirit will never lie to you and will never lead you astray. And that you have to trust that. And having clarification is to know the truth, that I'm no longer being deceived because now I believe. And what I believe has brought truth in my life and it has changed me. And I can tell you in the year that I've been walking this out, I don't think the way I used to think. That there's a change in me. There's a transformation that's taking place. It's still taking place as a result of that truth coming in my life. We should continue to look to the Holy Spirit to reveal truth in his word. That's one of the areas that it's made known to us. In John 17, 17, may make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This word. Paul instructs Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. What is a deception where we are deceived in our lives. And he says, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is true. Right. Remember some weeks ago I said, it's DTRT, do the right thing. When you have the truth in your life, it leads you to doing the right thing that God has in store for your life. And as human beings, we're flawed. We rely on our own philosophies and our own bias at times. We're flawed. As a human being, we're flawed. That's why we need a Savior who's a spiritual being that comes into our life, supernatural being that takes place, and we're changed and transformed. Because in our human nature, we'll believe our own philosophies. And then we'll quote that as truth. Or we're, we, we lean towards our own biases that have nothing to do with the Lord and nothing to do with his truth. And then we get caught up in those things. And then we're deceived because the truth is not in us. That truth, his word is not in us. As spiritual beings, the truth is made known to us by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's what Jesus promised us. So why do we believe a lie over truth? What is it? What is it that we're deceived by? Well, one of the reasons we believe a lie over truth is because the truth is not in us. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and that truth is in you, 
you begin to discern between a lie and what's true. The truth confronts our sinful nature and it leads us to change. Look, when I, when, when I was at a point in a moment in my life where I was searching for anything more that could change my life. I just needed a new direction. Everything I tried was failing. And there was a moment in my life where regeneration happened. And, and, and I met God in that moment. And I met his Holy Spirit in that moment. And, and I began to be transformed and changed in that moment. I began to understand in ways I didn't understand before as I met the Lord in that moment. I was confronted with my sinful nature. I wasn't confronted with it before that moment. I was okay with it before that moment. But in that moment, it began to be realized to me, and I was led to change. There was a desire for me to change. Why? Because truth came into my life. And now I began to live a life after that truth. The truth confronts our sinful nature. Why do we have such adversity in our culture? Because we confront that sinful nature, our own philosophies, our own biases with truth. And when that truth comes, it gets uncomfortable. When that truth comes, it gets difficult. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you that truth. And you'll know that truth. That truth is going to be liberating and bring that freedom into your life that is called to confront that sinful nature that leads us to change, to believe his truth in his word. See, the truth changes our human nature and understanding our challenges that we might have. But it calls us to that place to begin that spiritual walk with the Lord in the truth that we have found. Now, there's four ways the Holy Spirit can reveal his truth in our lives. There's four ways that he can reveal that truth. The first way, the Holy Spirit gives us a revelation and a proclamation. That this revelation, the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us as we read, study, reflect, and as we share God's word. In other words, his, his words become true. And I'll never forget it. And I was new in the Lord and began to walk this journey with who he was. And I took that relationship serious for my first time in my whole life and I asked someone, what should I do? And everyone says, you should read the Bible. And I was like, first got to find a Bible. Then I don't know where to begin in the Bible. And then someone gave me advice. said, why don't you start with the Gospel of John? So finally there was this day. You would think the Bible was kryptonite, like just to pick the thing up. You know, I was like, oh my goodness. And I picked up the Bible and I sat there and I opened it and I began to read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And I'll never forget this moment, sitting in my bed by myself on this new journey. I didn't understand anything, but I was regenerated. And transformation started to occur in my life. And there was a moment where clarification came. And in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I read that for the first time. I've heard it before. I've seen the sign before at sporting events. But I read those words. Something became alive in me, and I believed that to be true. I was changed. His word changed me. It was a living word. It was dead to me in my sinful nature and meant nothing. But now it was real and it was true. That there was a revelation. And you know what happened with that revelation? There became a proclamation. I started telling other people about it. Like, you won't believe this stuff. This stuff is true. That's what Leah reveals God's presence, to, uh, that we're changed, and, and that revelation proclamation becomes alive. That's where that truth in our life becomes revealed. Second, the Holy Spirit reveals God's presence to us, that he's made present to us. That the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we belong to God. That he's real. 
That now I'm a spiritual being, not just a human being. And in my spiritual being, he's being made known to me in this relationship. That he's real. That, that his presence is known. Uh, that I know that he's alive in my life. And that his desires are becoming my desires. And that he's leading me in a path and a direction that he's calling me. The third is the Holy Spirit guides us and it directs us. And how many of us could use a little guidance and a little direction in our life? Well, it's His Spirit. It guides us and directs us in truth. It leads us to walk close with Him, directing us from sin and gives us the fullness of joy. In other words, that truth being made alive in me keeps me from those temptations and those sins and those areas of my life where I act out so that I begin to build walls and distance myself from God's love for me. I'm deceived. And, and I distance myself as a result of that. But I need him to guide me and him to direct me. And that truth to become alive in me. But it helps me walk close to him knowing that truth. Knowing my sins are forgiven from him. And when I begin to know that and understand that truth in my life, it says there's a promise. And that promise is that I am, have the fullness of God's joy in my life. How many could would desire to experience the fullness of God's joy in your life. Right now, right now in this moment, He has a fullness of joy for our life. Well, we have to come out of those things that deceive us and believe that truth and begin to let it guide us and direct us. The fourth is the Holy Spirit teaches us and it illuminates the truth in our life. It teaches us and it illuminates the truth. The Spirit gives us wisdom. It gives us insight. So that we could grow in the knowledge of who God is. You ever have a moment where you just something kind of came to you for, for something you were sharing with another person and something was just kind of came to the forefront of your mind and, and, and you helped another person with something that you shared that he's teaching it. He's illuminating a truth. That revelation comes that we could share with others. He gives us a wisdom and an insight that the world can't give you because the world will deceive us. But the Holy Spirit is truth. And that truth gets made known to us. And then we begin to walk and let that truth illuminate our path and our life and illuminate others' lives. That the Spirit opens up our eyes to see truth now. In a song we sing in church, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, I Want to See You, which comes from a psalm that, that, that we would have this understanding that I didn't have eyes to see before, but now I have eyes to see. And He begins to teach me and my life begins to be illuminated by who he is, not by who I am. Why? Because that truth has been made known to me. That truth is made known to us. The truth we gain from the Spirit of God should lead us to proclaim his truth fervently. That, that we find, we should be proclaiming it fervently. We should be living a life in it completely. That's the change that happens. That's what occurs. It's in his truth that we no longer are to be deceived. It's in his truth that we are truly set free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is true. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit for greater works, Lord, to be done within our lives. And that greater work, Lord, is your truth. And that truth comes as a result of your love for us, that we could be set free. So I just pray anyone here right now is dealing with an area of, Lord, they're just feeling deceived and 
out of sorts and disconnected and far from you or any of those ways. Or maybe there's someone here right now, Lord, who just doesn't know you in that way. Regeneration didn't happen. Maybe you're watching online. Here's what I can tell you is that I don't know your heart, but God knows your heart. And what we have to do is turn from those ways of life and come into that relationship with who he is by surrendering. Become powerless so you can become powerful. And he makes an invitation by grace through faith that we come to the saving knowledge of who Christ is and we're promised this eternal life with him. Eternal life in his perfect love and joy. But we have to acknowledge that. We have to make a decision for that. And if you're here and you've never asked him in your life that way, or you're watching online, you never, I want to pray with you because that's what I did all those years ago and I was changed as a result of welcoming him into my life. So if you'd like to pray with me, just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed with me here in person or online, the most important thing you could do is let someone know. Why? Because we don't live out a relationship in autonomy. We live out a relationship in community. And what we are committed to do is help you on this new pathway of discipleship. And by letting us know, what we'll do is come alongside of you and we'll help you discover God's perfect power, plan, and purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Just acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.